You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hey gang, welcome back to the Riverdale Gang with Ryan. And Chloe. Hey gang, we're the gang. Yeah, all the gangs. Riverdale's lots of gangs too, eh? It sure does. (laughs) Increasing numbers of gangs, in fact. Yeah. Speaking of gangs, and speaking therefore of Hiram Lodge, because he's evidently a member of the Mafia. Um, <laughs> he, I think he is the Mafia. He is the Mafia. One man Mafia. Um, Miha is uh, just shortened Miha. We did our research, mm-hmm. which I've been reflecting recently on how, for anyone with the privilege of access to the internet and the privilege of being able to read, mm-hmm. being ignorant is a choice. Tell your friends. <laughs> That's a wonderful way to put it, really. <laughs> Um... Since we're on the momentum of our big, uh, our Riverdale binge, uh, with the torrent of Sweetwater River, shall we jump right into this episode? And Yeah, well, maybe we should provide some context for why, why we are introducing ourselves less. One reason is because, ah. um, a, an actual week has not gone by as there would normally be between episodes. In fact, I think this was only mm-hmm. ten minutes from the last episode. Yes. Because Ryan and I are getting caught up. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan and I have had long weeks hmm. it is late for us it's quarter to nine we're old and we're tired <laughs> ryan in particular um was just in an immersive theater show that was he played tim drake i mean i, I should avoid for legal licensing reasons i mean it's a, a, a parody project of some sort yes a parody regardless uh, yes, I, I spent uh i had a it's, it was a 14-hour day yesterday and a real long string of artsy art art 14-hour days I am uh, running out of human steam, uh, which is why watching Sugar Trash television uh, with one of my best friends is... uh, Dark Weird Sugar Trash. Dark Weird Sugar Trash is uh, what I needed in my life for today. Yeah. But consequentially, I'm uh, a bit of a human blur from art overload. Yeah. Immersive theater art overload. Hooray. Um, and I work nine to five, <laughs> five days a week. <laughs> so that's why I'm exhausted. Why, why Chloe? Uh, cause stability. <laughs> I'm trying that thing. So like, I don't, <laughs> you'll notice Ryan's little like horse noise that he just made. I'm only um, cynical because I don't have it. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's tough, you know, like, I mean, Ryan and I are both artists who don't get paid. All that often for making art. Certainly not a living wage. Not a living wage. Ryan makes a little more money than I do as an artist. Um, I had to literally take over the budgets and learn how to do budgets (laughs) in order to to make even incrementally more. I am in a large amount of credit card debt from moving to Los Angeles last year and then moving back. Happens. Um, So, um, uh, I'm trying this thing. At age 27, well, I'm 28 now, but I tried this thing at age 27 where I was like, I'm going to be a boring adult, (laughs) make art a little less, and have a job that I get paid at every two weeks. And, oh, we just dropped something on the floor. Oh, well. Didn't need that. (laughs) It's only Ryan's phone. Didn't need that phone. Um, We are going to jump in in just a sec, but my point is that um, I'm trying that adulthood stability thing, which is why I need my sugar my sugar trash so hard. <laughs> We're in really inverse places, actually, because I've done, like, yeah, Ryan not used to be 9 me. to 5 life. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever... I, oh, that's true. I had short stretches of 9 to 5 life, but what I had was shift work 
mental health yeah. services life, yeah. which um, burnt me out in my inver twenties in a whole different way. So we're we're like on inverse in inverse life stages at the moment because I yeah. have recently decided there is no uh, there is no debt freeness that is worth this complete mortgaging of my soul and sanity to take another overnight shift, uh, and I'm currently doing the starve, starving artist thing because uh, day jobs. Even really socially valuable, relevant day jobs, that can burn you out. Yeah, they can. Um, mm-hmm. My last day job, I was social media on the Switch. Perhaps you've heard of it. Yeah, for the world's first transgender television show, um, Canadian made, Canadian shot, and uh, I got burnt out by that real fast. So we'll see if this one burns me out too. Yeah, if I have great bosses at Trembling Boy. Just for the record, hi Ingo and Amy. If but I did uh, get burnt out because I get burnt out easily. What's up? Quiver listeners uh, might recognize that from Amanda's uh, work. I'm yeah. not sure how much she's rambled about the Switch, but it sure took over her life as a producer for yeah. uh, a big old stretch of, of time. Uh, yeah. What, two years ago? Year and a half ago? I don't remember when they shot. A little while back there. <laughs> a little while back there. Anyway, it's available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, and Vimeo. Yeah. It's, d- it's arguably less trashy than what we're about to jump into. It is much less trash than we're about to jump into. We're going to jump into Riverdale. Um, episode 3, Chapter 16, The Watcher in the Woods, which... Kevin time! ...has some interesting implications, as we are about to find out. We've just pressed play. Woo, here's Kevin's broad shoulders. Straight on into Kevin walking through the forest. comes with the same warning. Good children should never go into the woods alone. Thanks, Jughead. This is one of the more, like, tighter narrated pieces. Yeah. I liked this bookend narration... The beginning yeah. and the ending. So here we have Kevin and cruising in the woods. Mm-hmm. A highly romanticized take on cruising. Yeah, there uh, is full there of fairy tale lighting. No spit and go happening here. Sorry, I'm just gonna be like this really is, uh, about that. Yeah, this poor Midge. This is a place where people make out in yeah. the woods. But he was conveniently on hand to find the violent gun assault. So. Here suddenly we're about Hermione and Veronica, and I just want to know, are these two women competing over the men in their, men in their life? Like, do palomitas. Is that my graphical nature? Thank you, my heart. Now, the bachelorette, they obviously didn't get the rights for that. I, um, I don't feel like they're necessarily competing is Hermione trying to protect her without way. making it obvious? Like, that's that's what I'm feeling. Because okay. Hermione knows what she's in. Here's, right? here's the football. As much as Hermione had a lot of loyalty last season, Hermione knows what's up. Yeah. And what her daughter doesn't need to be part of. <clears throat> yeah, right? that's true. It, uh, maybe got I'm Reggie getting... delivering the news about Moose and Midge to Archie. He's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Oh man, what football outfits are just odd. <laughs> Especially attempts at vintage. Just as for hey Barb. Barb, hey Barb, hey Barb. By the way, I've not seen any Stranger Things. Ooh, I won't say a word then. Okay, but let's watch that sometime. I know the main spoiler though. I know who comes back. And ugh, who doesn't? I was night jogging, says Kevin. Because <laughs> everyone. Okay, I. I do night jog. I will put that out there. And that's not a euphemism for cruising. <laughs> that's just because my schedule is sort that I'm often only free around 1230 at night. And I live in a very safe, quiet, urban residential neighborhood. You do. 
Um, if so you'd I, gone jogging at night where we used to live up near Dunbar, I would have been like, well, I did not. Yeah, well, we, we legitimately had coyotes up there. I wasn't nervous about the coyotes. Those woods of yeah. eating people. Yep. Back in New York, my dad was always doing bad things. <laughs> Maybe he's going to run for president. <laughs> oh. Uh, Hiram Lodge for president. <laughs> I mean, anything's in room at this yeah. point. Yeah. So now we focus as a television show a little bit. Jughead's ability to just skip class and bounce around is also TV magic. Oh man, he's just so hot and so chic. I wonder how many times an episode I'm going to say that. We can start a tally if you want. No. (laughs) Night jogging? And here... He's Here a wrestler? comes mm-hmm. Betty's well-intentioned, moralistic meddling. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah. So I love, okay, again, this is like, Betty is such a great character. She's like the self-righteous, straight white girl. Yeah. She doesn't understand what's necessary about him making out with boys in the dark. Mm-hmm. She even, can't make the parallel. Even the fact that uh, Grindem in this world, Grindem, arguably yeah. not a safer option. Again, even yeah, in rural areas, um, in a relatively balanced public space versus in someone's car yeah. slash home slash private residence with no paper trail. You saved their life, bro. Real like issues to that for queer kids, especially in rural areas. Which is not to say cruising is, like, a great choice or anything, but it's definitely a consequence or a symptom yeah. of an existing Also, um, I feel like she says cruising the way some people say weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's very... Anyway. Yeah. Uh, a completely outside moralistic yeah. statement that has been internalized yeah. and learned, rather than an actual assessment of the situation. Yeah. Who's Michael Myers? Uh... I get missed that reference also. Yeah, I don't know. And it stood out because Midge's delivery. Midge says this. She's like, Michael Myers. He's like the devil. Okay, here's this. Oh, he has to take his hat off. Yeah. Here's. Look how gray the lighting. Yeah. Welcome to the South Side. We hear his name, Forsyth Pendleton Jones III. He's no. also an FP. It's Jughead. <laughs> the third. A lot, a lot of legacy families yeah. in this world. So here's this. Beautiful woman that he's clearly going to have sexual chemistry with. I don't actually know if she's from the comics. That either. is Bing. Yeah. That I I've walked down that Bing with a little fog machine. <laughs> Those blockers look familiar. Graffiti is. Yeah, this graffiti situation is hilarious. Yeah, that's the grad hallway of Bing. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> crawling with the JJ. Can we talk again about Jingle Jangle? What exactly? Is are, I know okay, that. They're, they're, are they Looks consuming like, it? Are yeah, they, they are. That's not going up a nose, right? They're, no, they're shooting pixie like, sticks. They're shooting pixie sticks. Okay, so we're basically talking about meth then. Yeah. Right? Or like cocaine you can eat. Mm. Is that an option? I don't think so. I've never I don't think you so. can tell who the square is in this partnership. This we take our turns. Podcast partnership. But I'm just going to finish my book and brew, Jughead says, because he's so self-aware. I love this character. He definitely does not belong in the world he is living in. 
I self-identify as a loner, not a pack animal. I love these, like, distant references to asexual Jughead. Like, the fact that he and Betty haven't had sex. Hmm. And, like, I self-identify as a loner, because I feel like gray ace people are very much placed outside. Hmm. American History X, another film reference. <laughs> see, that, that didn't read to me as ace referential, mm-hmm. at least intentionally. But I can see... I, I can see it. Now that you pointed out, yeah, I hope that's a direction they. I think they're are gonna. To I think explore. they're gonna gently hint at it for always. I don't think they're ever gonna deal with it, honestly. Coding is not representation. I know. I'm dissatisfied. I'm also dissatisfied with that noise. Coding is a cop out. Yeah. And on a show that's, I mean, as much as they screw up, we don't keep guns in this house. Fred says he just yeah. said it, but his son is keeping a gun in the house. Um. There's a fire burning. Maybe that's foreshadowing. What? There's a fire? fire just over Archie's shoulder. There was a fire with Cheryl. Maybe it's foreshadowing. I'm making that up. I have no idea. We're digging deep now. <laughs> it's fine. This show is rich and nuanced. I say with only half a smirk. <laughs> I love how there's this, like, Buffy Scooby Gang thing. Oh, yeah. They're the I original Scooby Gang, right? Uh, I guess they are the original Scooby Gang. Before there were Scoobies. His jacket never take his jacket off. He's just hanging out in his jacket on the couch with the popcorn. It's cold. I love Veronica's <laughs> um, way of dealing with problems is, yeah, let's have a personal militia. Yeah. <laughs> Before the that idea ever comes up. Yeah, personal militia. Let's Today, hire private Cooper. security. Here's Hiram meeting the kids. Also, okay, uh, this does not read... I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this dynamic. Veronica wants her dad to be involved with her life and thus wants her friends to be his friends? Yeah. Is that, is that like a generational yuppie thing of I'm calling my parents by my first names or something? I don't I, know. I don't know what I, that is. Don't get me wrong. My my friends really liked my parents, so it, like this kind of thing would happen. Yeah. In my house, but my father didn't dress like that for one thing. <laughs> my mom dressed like that. I really yeah. got the vibe here that they were leaning into Veronica wanting something from her dad that I didn't quite understand. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Approval, love, kind of daddy's little girl situation. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely well those anchored two to the original though, content. Yeah, those two actors comics. don't have the right kind of chemistry for the daddy's little girl. Yeah. They don't adore each other. No. You know? There's a cold front and ritual in every yeah. one of their interactions. Okay. Now so, we're digging in. This is the moment. So Archie's just walked into... I don't actually know where he is. I think it's his garage. His garage. And he's pulling out some uh, thing. And taking his he, gun out. And he... No, he takes out comics. Yeah. Well, he takes the gun out first. The comics are just, but like, dressing to hide the gun, but, right? But he picks up the comics. So this is such a moment. Mm-hmm. The Red Circle... Obviously, mm. this isn't a real comic, but he's a comic book character looking at comics, mm-hmm. wanting to be the ideal. Yeah. The comic book ideal. Like, it's such, like, that's one of the metatextual moments I just love. Like, it's mm. like Bo Bergdahl talking about how he wanted to be, um, like, Jason Bourne, and that's why he walked off his mm. post in Afghanistan. You know what I mean? Like, it's the yeah. American young man, gun in hand ideal. Right. Oh, and this show's dealing with it. I'm so impressed. <laughs> 
Anyway, here we're back with the women talking about men. This show doesn't pass the Bechdel test super well. It has its moments, but... Although they make reference to that in the first season. Isn't there a scene yeah. about, like... Veronica's super self-aware of that. Yeah. Um, you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, although, you know, Betty and her mom talk about a lot of noise. Yeah, they talk about Polly. Yeah. But the issue with Polly is that she's pregnant, which involves men. <sighs> Just saying. Yeah. Anyway, here's Hermione. What is the, um... The, um... Makomori test? I don't know. The Pacific Rim take is... Can your female characters be replaced with a lamp? And will the same thing be achieved? Yeah. It, it, passed, it does pass that nicely. Okay, so here's Archie. Betty Cooper just got... Or, sorry, um, Alice Cooper just got her mysterious package, which we all know is trouble. Yeah. Um, next time it could be you, your girlfriend, your family. Yeah. This is how the KKK started, by the way. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> here's this all is... these football dudes, by the way, in this classroom on school property, yeah. American flag in the background, and William Shakespeare, mm-hmm. having a conversation about, like... Well, starting a gang. We're going to start a gang. And they're on the right side of the tracks, so their gang is a defense yeah, militia. Yeah, it's a militia, exactly. Right. Um, and But, of course, of course, he starts out with no weapons, no violence. Yeah. And Reg is like, let's do, let's. Reg is already selling mess, so. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. Can you really I also want to know why Dylan Doyle's here. Because he's not on the football team. He's the one who provided the gun. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and he clearly knows his weapons. He's whittling in class. <laughs> well, they're not in class. They're planning a militia. In a classroom. Accurate. Yeah. The, we're protecting our own. Yeah. Can I get an hoorah? In-group, out-group. Right? Yeah. Is the the social structure and system. Okay, here we are. Four, it's five, one. Here. Probably this... three classrooms down, but with lots of gray hazy fog over on the south side. <laughs> and we have a beleaguered angry teacher. Yeah. From another film just plucked out for a cameo. I love how Jughead is like, why is everyone insisting on being stupid? <laughs> Fair enough, 451. Okay, what? You might need to catch me up. Because that's obviously a reference to show that Jughead is literate and well-read. Yeah. And Do you know? Cares. Do you know the book? I, 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 I'm not familiar one? now. Oh, it's a book about um... Uh, a version of the future where books would just get burned willy-nilly and there's oh. they're trying to I, oh no one can read oh like the written word is evil right. I haven't seen it I've, I've never read the book I haven't seen the movie in a very long time mm-hmm. here's Jughead trying to get the school paper back by the way which I think is very topical given what we're talking about there in 451 mm-hmm. and this dude finds a secret society I think he's actually on the side of the people who are burning the books initially mm-hmm. And he finds this society of people who memorize books so that it doesn't get lost. Oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. It's a wonderful old piece of apocalypse. Mm. Good old classic lit. Now we're back with Kevin. Yeah, here's Betty trying to get to the bottom of Kevin's business. I really We haven't gotten there quite yet, but I really like in this episode mm-hmm. how they... Uh, they flag Dark Betty as something like BDSM sexuality. Yeah. And they, they bring it up and they call it. And um, deal with some of the, the weird repression mm-hmm. that is wrapped up around Betty's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and has long been 
a framed component. Um, Cheryl being meta again and calling the fact that Kevin has a sex drive, which is itself yeah. a progressive construct. Yeah. Letting your queer characters be sexualized in any way. And we touched on it last season, having him make out with Moose in the woods. Yeah. I think it was Moose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, circling back through to this and the... And I love that Cheryl understands this. Yeah. She's like... Even if you don't approve. <laughs> sociopathic and yet deeply, deeply aware of social nuance. Yeah, so she can't be a sociopath because they don't experience empathy. Yeah, she, she reads all these things. She's deeply emotionally aware, but also horrifyingly cold. Yeah. It's interesting. And now we've got Ronnie and Archie yeah. talking about vigilantism again. Also a real interesting arc of where this couple goes with that. Yeah. Um, like, does she turn into Hermione and just sort of support him? Well, she starts making... It seems to me that she starts making real bad choices um, because of the power play of her father and Archie as a pawn. Yeah. I mean, she... Actually, that's a good ...takes point. Archie back yeah. from his control. We Again, we haven't gotten there quite yet in the episode. Yeah. We'll see it exaggerated more at their family dinner. But there's a lot of Veronica seeing the, the seeing what is right, but then Veronica making a choice in contrast to that in order to yeah. play a broader game than apparently her own morality. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm getting distracted by the Black Hood plotline because Alice Cooper has opened the package. Mm-hmm. The Black Hood has Miss Grundy's glasses and Fred Andrews's wallet. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if the person in the bed hood was Molly Ringwald? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That would be a whole different mess. I like Molly Ringwald's character. Yeah, I do too. I want someone I can, like, unapologetically yeah, in this show. The adult pops. Why is Mr. Cooper still here? I killed the child predator in Greendale. Ah, uh, moralizing. He's gonna shoot the gays next. Maybe. Mm. That's boring. We don't want that. Yes, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> That's been done. Thank you, Game of Thrones. Yeah. On to the next. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. <clears throat> Game of Thrones. Um, um, so here's, here's Archie Andrews handing out all these flyers. Mm-hmm. Starting his Archie gang. Not the good gang. Yeah. The bad gang. Also reading some interesting things this watch through. Betty spends this entire episode moralizing from a place yeah. of privilege. And we have a killer who is <laughs> aggressively moralizing in a, in a, in a tropishly cliche yeah. bluntness, right? Absolutely. Um, that's an interesting foil as well. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much tension is going to be pulled to that, if any. Yeah, how self-aware that component of the show is, of Betty's arc right now. That's a good point. Um... Of course, Alice Cooper has... Sorry, I'm getting distracted by Alice Cooper's power play of, like... Um, I've actually, already published it. We already published it. it. I'm actually not asking for permission. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Do no jingle jangle. Yeah. Um, Jughead's allowed to reopen the red and black. I think it's so cute <laughs> that he wants to run the school paper. To, to own the school paper, basically. Okay, and now Sheriff Keller is calling a militia straight up. 
Which yeah, yep, it is. For once, and I find it so strange that Weatherby defends mm. him. That's like really troubling. Mm. It's a school club. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that that's an interesting exploration of of you know a moral center character who yeah. can buy into something that is objectively for us the viewer clearly a bad plan, clearly a real real bad, bad plan. Yeah. You're starting a roving gang to but, get yeah, evidently this teacher justice. doesn't think the, the cops are doing a good enough job. Yeah. A good enough job. Irrelevant. Um, um, at the superhero-inspired immersive theater piece that I was working on last night, I had some really cool conversations as a character's alternate identity. Or just guests want to talk about the morals of vigilante justice. Huh, just, that's it, interesting. it was interesting. Um, Here are these impossibly good-looking background characters who are serpents and telling <laughs> Jughead off for being alive. Yeah. Um, also playing the in-group out-group card again. Yeah. You're, you've been with us. You've benefited. Yeah. You're in. You're acting like you're in. You're using the perks of being in. Which, um... Interestingly, I, I think the show did a better job than most dealing with this particular class divide of uh, in this in this episode, especially showing the the pressures of gang life, without becoming yeah. a very special episode. Yeah, I right? guess that's true. Like it. Yeah, but I mean, even without a gang present, like you know, you're not in our crowd. We'll beat you up. Thing that was definitely a dynamic at high school at my high school where there weren't any gangs. Really? Oh, suddenly Polly's here. Oh. Yeah, babies. we remembered about her. Polly's so pregnant. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Uh, mm. Never quite, never quite sold on Polly. I got to admit, mm. it was kind of a weird side plot. I want to know what's going to happen when these babies are born. I feel like something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, these blossom babies. Maybe that's Cheryl's yeah. going to be Cheryl's arc this season. Is the blossom baby plot? She was sure was invested, and she is kind of the de facto head of the blossom family now. Yeah. Um. Oh, man, Cheryl and Polly co-parenting would be so cute. Um, <laughs> I would so, watch that weird Laverne and Shirley-esque yeah. um, spin-off. <laughs> I love the look that Betty and her mom just gave each other. <laughs> oh, this is this wonderful scene between Kevin and Moose. Oh, yeah. And Kevin comes to visit Moose in the hospital, and he's looking at the cards. and I completely forgot that they made out in the woods a bunch. Yeah, what are you doing out there in the woods anyways? Because he knows perfectly well. Uh-huh. He's like, what are you doing out there with a girl? <sighs> it sort of seems like Moose might be bi. Yeah, which I hope yeah. they name it. I hope they say it. Oh, yeah, I hope they say the words. I, I hope they own it. But, um, yeah, sometimes I'm not sure we're a good match. Tension, 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 yeah. tension, 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 tensions. So Kevin says that I haven't been making... Great choices. Is it? Making great choices. Oh, he's holding yeah. this moose. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Stuffed moose. But yeah. he says guys like us. He doesn't even say the word like gay guys like us. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm like Riverdale. I didn't really get the impression that Sheriff Keller minded all that much that his son was gay from the first season, though. They just didn't really talk about it at length. Yep. And I think it's very easy for that to come off as not minding. Yeah, but exactly right. But not talking about is a huge form of minding. It's touching scene between Kevin and Moose. Moose offers him all his empathy. It's 
Yeah. With you have to go whatever that friendship relationship is. Whatever that is. If you want to hang out. Or or talk. Yeah. We don't talk when we hang out. In the woods. Weird layers. Lots of layers. Yeah. So much going on there. And then this conversation. Uh creepy threatening Hermione. Yeah. Mob boss Hermione. Also, why isn't the Smithers replacing polishing the silver? I wonder if you if the cat's meowing very loudly on the other side of the studio door. He, he Just might in be case you Dario. hear that. That is Dario. Dario the cat. He's named after Dario Naharan, except this is Dario in the hairball. Anyway, <laughs> back to Hermione and her power play. Veronica and the power play. Yet another failing Hermione power play. I'm almost sad how many of Hermione's power plays fail. I know. And it's largely because Veronica I sort of is miss, having none of it. I sort of missed the content of this particular power play. What was it? Oh, um... Oh, yeah. I think it's about the whole trying to... Archie and having, having him for dinner. Yeah. yeah, bringing your friends in and trying to whoopify your father, basically. Whoopify? Wow. Like, I think there's a sense there of, you know he's kind of dangerous, right? yeah. Which is a weird family tension, which is a really tense family tension to have. Oh, what yeah. What's in the backseat that he has? Uh, tire iron. Oh, I couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. Because it's on top of all this stuff. school paraphernalia. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued that, oh. they, that they thought patrolling the streets in a car with a bunch of yeah. club weapons was an effective deterrent <laughs> in a small-sized city against a yeah. single... Vigilante murderer. I also love that Dario. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, I also I, I love that. that so Betty just showed up at the red and black. They just said jingle jangle again. Um, <laughs> and Jughead is just so protective. He's like, you cannot come here at night unless you are armed. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yep. Which is also a real stage setter for how he views this school. Like, I'm worried about me. I am. Um, yeah. They're going to have a little moment, and then they're going to interrupt it again. Mm-hmm. I thought you liked me, Reckless. By conflicting love interest. Yeah. She's openly acknowledged obvious love interest, right? Uh, uh, new school gang yeah, ambassador, yeah, yeah. Um, gang ambassador girl. Yeah. Tony, um, that's it. Tony, Tony Topaz. Tony Topaz. I'm checking. Yeah. I, I don't honestly remember I'm her Betty's from trying so hard not to be jealous. books. Oh, this would be the cutest little polycule if they were all poly. Look at them. <laughs> poly, crazy ace poly polycule. And she's all like, oh yeah, I expected you to have like Winona Ryder from Beetlejuice. Oh look, two kettles. <laughs> Great minds think alike. What's a man going to do with two kettles? <laughs> <laughs> what an oddly okay, specific so this moment, this choice, moment between right? Hermione and Hiram. Mm-hmm. She's in front of the mirror looking beautiful, and he's zipping her up. Mm. Okay, for context, apparently Tony Topaz is a comic character, but introduced in 2012. So Oh, so she's more yeah. recent. And she wasn't attached to Kevin Keller, so I didn't notice. Oh, and she does have pink hair, so that's cool. Excellent. Um, <laughs> I just got what you said, which was really Part so Hiram's all going, don't try to poison her against me. So, like, thank you for your loyalty, but also please remember I'm in charge in this relationship. Another power play. You look nice. Ugh. Remember, that's the point of view. Oof. Oof. He's dangerous. He's a creep. He's so cold. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Thank you, Dolores. Dolores. And we're back to Pops, um, where Cheryl is seeing all. I think this might be my favorite Cheryl. Cheryl who revels in the drama and who is omnipresent. Cheryl who sees all and reads it. Oh, Kevin, you precious, beautiful, compulsive piece of trash. Why can't she? She and Kevin could be such buds. Why doesn't she like Kevin? I'm not sure if she's able to form human bonds. Yeah, that's probably part of it. (laughs) Here comes Barb. This is like a little Stranger Things. Like, even the music reminds me of Stranger Things. Yeah. Barb Barb, getting creepily soft. And she's wearing a Mountain Equipment Co-op backpack. I just really need to note that Mountain (laughs) Equipment Co-op is like a Vancouver company. She's wearing a Mountain Equipment Co-op backpack. It's very important (laughs) to me to note that. Um... Yeah. She's going down this dark road at night, and there's a car, and the music even sounds like Stranger Things, and this girl just needs her own show, because everyone loves Barb and Ethel so much. Mm-hmm. One where she doesn't get murdered or chased by murderers. Yeah, and one where at she, least like, not has something primarily. to do. Yeah. She yeah, had little to do in season one. She had a little to do in season one. She should rewatch that sometime. I liked the Ethel episodes, oh, I'm mostly. Just looking around, looking in probably his office. <laughs> oh... Oh, and she calls Archie. I actually kind of like the moments between Ethel and Archie. Yeah, there's there's almost a, like, Luna Love, Good Harry Potter thing. Huge, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, Except their friendship's cooler, Luna. And... Uh, yeah, you can't beat that. Luna, yeah. there's there's no cooler than Luna. But Ethel is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Okay, here comes... Oh, flipping the car around. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go save Ethel. Yep. Justice for Barb! <laughs> and she doesn't call 911. Yeah, Which even salient. Yeah, for sure. Like what kind of here's distrust? Kevin. Here's Kevin going looking for a little love. A little freeway is looking like. Yeah. As he follows two men across the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, this music, this music where the car is going through the dark looking for Ethel, is basically the Stranger Things theme song. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I finished binging season two sorry, recently. The theme but yeah. Music. It's it's definitely a, a little internal reference. They're shouting for Ethel in the field of corn. Like, an alien may as well walk out of the bush. <laughs> okay, we, we need to watch Stranger Things, friend. Okay. <laughs> we, we, for, for both of us. Yeah. I... But why would he be picking on Ethel? And he gives her this hug. Yeah. Aw. Like, Ethel doesn't have a grand moral failing by the... In her person. Hey, if Ethel gets plot, oh, here, I'm here, here for are it. the straight girls to tell to tell the gay boy off for yep. doing stuff. Oh man, the I, monologue that's coming up here is so real. I like that Cheryl is not even here to participate <laughs> in the monologue. She is here to stir the pot. Yeah, I right? know. She's just escalating. She's adding heat to the cook the cooking. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. This is a I love good scene. You live in a pale pink world of milkshakes and, and first kisses. Yeah. You're gonna date Archie or Jughead. I mean except for when yep. you start buddy. <laughs> except your BDSM sexuality, which again, you're allowed to do. And I'm not, because why? Yeah. Oh god, Betty. Oh man, he sells it. Yep. Quite wonderfully. It's I do. Whatever I do, we're just really friends. It's a very interesting, blunt perspective on rural yeah. queer sexuality. That it doesn't quite toe the edge into a very special episode either. It's just that's that's the plot today. Yeah, and that's his arc. 
Yeah. And it's not queer problem play. Yeah. Which I appreciate. And here's Jack about to get beat up. Yep. School of lies. Les? <laughs> what does that say? Les? I'm not sure. School of lesbians. Dangerous uh, lesbians. Uh, oh, wait. Best Tony is by. Because she is super to joke. Yeah. Oh, the cats are now growling outside the door. Hi, oh, cats. And here, the cats are beating each other up while the humans are beating each other up. Uh, and Jughead's beat. Oh. Bye. And here's Archie with his map, War on Terror. Archie going a little creepy with uh, newspaper circling. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in there being a creepy Archie. Well, this is a nice gap bridger between Archie, who is terrified, and legitimately terrified, yeah. but overridingly terrified, to Archie, who is making bad life choices in his terror. <laughs> right? Like, I'm... Did you, did you watch Handmaid's Tale? I didn't. I, I refuse to acknowledge. Not, not being a f- fond of that. Handmaid's Tale. But, um... <laughs> for reasons. There's, there's a line that stood out for me that, uh, more in the, in the television show than the book, mm-hmm. that, um, the look in everyone's eyes was a look of pure constant terror that you used to only see... In flashes, in emergencies, in moments, but now is the everyday look in the eyes. Interesting. That um, I guess I harken back to when thinking of the current state of Archie and the bad choices he is obviously making. Yeah, here's Jughead lying to Betty about how he got all his bruises, saying it's a motorcycle accident. Um, I just wanted to go back very quickly to this scene we were just talking through, where mm. Fred reminds Archie that. Um, Hiram is his his Fred's business partner, mm. and um, that that has meanings. Anyway, Archie said very briefly says, "I'll be a gentleman." Um, I love the fact that Hiram's conversation later in this episode isn't about mm. "Don't have sex with my daughter." Yep, because that's a very common trope, and it's absent. Yep, it's very exciting in my opinion. Almost conspicuously absent. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. We can move yeah, on from it. <laughs> absolutely. And, and they do something much more interesting with mm-hmm. with the, that empty space left. I want you to be the son-in-law instead. Is that? That's not the read I'm getting. What's the read I'm getting? Like, I want to mess with my daughter's life, so I'm messing with yours. Or that's I want to get back at Fred, and Fred Andrews. I, arguably, all of those are possible. Mm-hmm. My absolutely. guess right now is it's more of an anything that is yours can be mine. Internal family power play. But I think it yeah. could be any of those things and yeah. more that you pulled up. Because by the old-fashioned Archie, he has literally not been a gentleman. He and Veronica have had sex. Oh, yeah. Kinky shower sex. Not that kinky. <laughs> shower sex. But anyway. Yeah. But that's not Hiram's priority here. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love where he offers Archie rum and rum's like, or Archie's like, rum? Like, as in alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute you started, a great job with that line you started a vigilante militia but that's you draw the line at alcohol oh palomita that means dove mm. like a little dove mm. paloma is dove mm. my dove my little dove this weird family dinner and then come on kid pobrecita poor girl I love that the subtitle, not love, ironically hate love, that the subtitle just says speaks in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Keep trying, Netflix. So we've got drunk Hermione, who's mad about being cornered earlier in mm. front of the mirror, drinking and lashing out at her daughter. Yep. Oh. Yep. Calling her a princess. 
Which is uh, Polly's off. Polly's I, I want to know about Polly's up. Like, oh man, the spinoff shows. I wish I cared more about Polly. I wish I did. I don't know. Yeah. So much of Polly fell so flat for me. I feel like Polly ended up being a device for the rest, like a plot device. Yeah. For the rest of like for the rest of the characters to kind of be around in yes. proximity to, you know. Very much the Cheryl and for, for her Betty. her like creepy pastel colored um baby shower was a fun episode though. Oh man. That was a special sort of awkward. And now this portrait of Veronica, which is also a special sort of awkward. Yeah. A lot of like and here's the rum. That's a lot of rum that they're drinking. Like, do people actually drink rum like that? Like uh, scotch? Do people do that? I don't do that. I drink scotch the way they're drinking rum. Maybe it's mixed. Rum and water. Ooh, why would you need that? Oh, Coke. Yeah. Oh, yeah fair enough. I don't know. Um. So the color tones. I'm really starting to pick up the color tone patterns. Okay. All these warm yellows and oranges in mm-hmm. the lodge home. Mm-hmm. Not quite flickering fire. Lots of fire presence. Yeah. But that's this a really real good point. Something's about to go off, kind of. Yeah, everything's in the shadows. Most in my daughter's bedroom. Okay, they do talk about sex. Never mind. They do. But um. But then they get on to the real business. It is never ever I... <laughs> Yeah. And then blatant manipulation, like yeah. Archie, you idiot. How could he be more office obvious? Could Hiram Lodge be more obvious in this moment with his weird leading monologue? Yeah. Which points to, like, how fragile Archie's character must be at the moment, because he called it with, um, mm. with the Blossoms. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You know, he got himself out of it. And now he's deeply susceptible to yeah. whatever's being said to so him. So either it's, like, weak Reggie, consistency by the writers, right. or he's just really su- suggestible. You're right, yeah. Maybe the method of it out. Yeah, I think he is just more suggestible. Mm-hmm. Interesting piece of progression. Now, Back Kevin's to Betty and Kevin. Betty, which yeah, is off to be another type of vigilante. <laughs> Betty's. Yeah. Oh yes. The moral vigilante. The meddling moral vigilante. I gotta say, this scene is so scary when Kevin gets in the car with this dude who you can't yeah. see, and then you think he's died. Ugh. Yeah. Well, we could... Oh yeah. It does it do like weird. Future flash projection yeah. moment here. Yeah. I wonder if this is the dude. Actually, I, you uh, drop you somewhere. Come on, Kevin. That's not the read I get. Yeah. I, uh, I feel like this is just kind of a, a this is blanket stand-in dude and a firebird for bad choice. Yeah. Even within the context of of questionable public sexual behavior. Yeah. Oh, and Kevin getting I was so worried this was real. Oh, yeah. Kevin yeah. Stabbed. I was, I was ready to rage quit the character. show. No. I was ready to rage quit the show. But, no, he's you know, afraid in a in a relatively terrifying context. Game and then this... Dan Kari little tease. Oh, yeah. man, there's so much crossover between female experience and gay male experience. Yeah. Not That's... the same, but a lot of shared territory. Yeah, no, 100% not the same, but that, that sound bite, you little tease, that's like what every girl is scared of hearing. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, and I love the like the sort of fairy tale quality of the light coming through the trees. His, yeah. His father son moment. This is an awkward conversation too. That clearly needed to happen, but. Yeah. Uh, but he hugs him like I just. There's so much like healing. There's so much trope healing in this scene. I feel. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. 
It's certainly better than most shows are capable of, or most shows bother to try to do, right? Like, um, I'm glad this is a show. I'm glad this is a scene in a major network television show, right? Or whatever the CW is. Yeah. A show seen by millions of people that this is being discussed. Yeah. But that he cares about his son without tabooing him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, stop being gay. He says, please stop going out at night where I don't know where you are because you're my kid and I love you. Mm-hmm. On this line, there's certain things we don't talk about. And we should talk about it. Is super progress. Yeah. It's super important progress. Um... And then, he, but I think the point, the thing that he touches his kid, like two men hugging, mm-hmm. like you're just my kid. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's an important well, moment for the plot they chose to do for this episode. Yeah, I think so. Like if they made Kevin Keller into a homophobe, I would have been really disappointed. It would have been too familiar. Yeah, we've seen that story. Yeah, and it's not that it's not important and not real. It's just we've seen it. Yeah, and we want something else. I'm much more interested in something fresh. <laughs> and here's Veronica being like, Dad, I actually want to be a business person. I want to be in the room where it happens. Yep. And once again, the Lodge Power Place, right? What year are they in? Are they, are they sophomores or juniors? That's an ambiguous question that shouldn't be answered given how many shirtless Archie scenes are on this screen. No, I know, but he's not a, a, a sophomore or a junior. What are those words? Oh, they're American <laughs> ones. Hang on. So here's Jughead sitting down at the serpent's table because he got beaten up. Which, yep. And I I recognize this song. Um, I, mm. I am awful with song names, but one of the first really recognizable and not classic songs that jumped out for me this season. Mm-hmm. The, over the Narration. Yeah. Hey, Betty and Veronica, I want more of their friendship. Yeah. The season hasn't given me that yet. Yeah. Oh, and I, I find it, I love that Kevin doesn't forgive her. Oh, yeah. I think that's so important that Kevin Hugely. doesn't forgive her. Like, butt out straight people. Yeah. Where's the, where's the actual right here? And it's yeah. super not with Betty. Yeah. As this much is, as her concerns yeah. make sense in this situation. This is between me and what I got to deal with and me and my dad. Then here, things get weird. Here's the vigilante moment. They're literally wearing hunts. Yep. Yep, except for Archie. Yeah, they're not all white, thank God, mm-hmm. or I would be really uncomfortable. Yeah, um, not a direct now, did the Ku Klux Klan. But, like... There's historical barrels. Yeah. We're called the Red Circle. Like, this is, like, this is the one of the biggest problems in, like... Ah. I believe that this is a viable option and this will produce anything, right? Yeah. Like, this is... We will find you. This is mm-hmm. real... Real people really do this. Yep. As YouTube manifestos. Oh, man. And Hiram's just so pleased. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, my read is it's a huge power play of... And look at yeah. the lighting in this scene with the, the white light coming in through the windows. and Framing uh, that Veronica that portrait. So yeah. That creepy Veronica portrait. Oh. A lot of meat to chew on in that episode. Man. I... Oh, man, what did we even say? Um, I, I think we've hit it. With the episode beats quite nicely as far as the Kevin Keller plotline. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I have a whole lot more to add to that. The yeah. show actually explored that quite nicely. Yeah. Unexpectedly nicely. Um, unexpectedly. It was safe. It was safe. 
in, in the sense that, like, there aren't a lot of complicated feelings about it. It's very straightforward. Mm. Betty's concerned because she doesn't get it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin is trying to make himself intelligible to her and then is like, I'm making myself intelligible intelligible to you. You deal with it now. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. It, drawing the line of, you. okay, you can't get this. Okay, we can't talk about this. Yeah. And it's not your business or place to. Regardless of his actions, regardless yeah. of his situation, having someone who means well, but who does not know how to help. And, like, that's a question as well. What could Betty actually do that would be helpful in that circumstance? Literally nothing. Yeah. And that's a really difficult situation to be in that I think anyone in a place of privilege has experienced. Yeah. Where someone is is going through something that you don't get, you literally cannot get, that is not your yeah. lived experience. Totally. We've all been Betty. Oh, yeah. To Kevin. We've all been a Betty to a Kevin at some point. Mm-hmm. Um... I think I, like, even though I'm not straight, I feel like I've been a Betty to Kevin's. I feel like that's happened. I feel like there's been moments where I really haven't understood mm-hmm. gay male experience in very insensitive ways. Yeah. And honest. with any lived experience, that there's something, learning how much you don't get is one of the hardest things. Yeah. Right? It's nice to watch Betty go through that. It's important. Yeah. Especially with, like, we want to like Betty. She's the, she's the Marianne. She's... Yeah. Iconoclast. She is Betty. She's um, Betty. The Archie and Betty and Veronica. And I have all nice the baggage girl. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Long Christian small town girl. We're frozen. Oh, we're just because no, of the next pause. episode popped up. Yeah. We just have an interesting shot of what looks like a very small town, but it's super too small to be Riverdale, I think, for an establishing shot. Yeah. Also, uh, a, a red sun in the morning, sailors take warning. <laughs> sort of staring at the MacBook Pro here. Bleeding into the next episode yeah. slightly. <laughs> That's just an establishing shot. Um, what else did we chew on in that? The Lodges. Um, the Lodges. Vigilante Justice. Yeah, Vigilante Justice. I find Vigilante Justice so fascinating because... People take that so seriously mm. sometimes in some parts of American culture. And I think even okay. in some oh. parts of Canadian culture, people take that just like... Usually. Like messed up colonial cultures in general take vigilante justice pretty seriously. Mm-hmm. Actually, there may not be... There might be no culture in the world that doesn't have vigilante justice that I can think of. Yeah. We it's... don't trust... I find it really interesting. There seems to be a trend... In television, mm-hmm. of the cops are not doing enough, so we're going to take matters into our own hands. Yeah. Maybe that's always been the case. I'm not really 100% sure. Um, no, that sounds like it's always been the case, actually. But I... Yeah. Where distrust of authority comes from and is born, that's an interesting subject. Yeah. Like, from, from racialized people, from queer community, it's been very relevant in Canada and across North America this mm-hmm. year... The question of police and pride parades, for example. Yeah. There's a, an aggressive distrust of a police system that has historically treated marginalized people as the targets and disproportionately um, uh, targeted, jailed, um, uh, arrested, hurt, uh, racialized persons, queer persons. Um, and the other side of this coin, I'm, I'm always amazed by how much parallel distrust of the police, of authority there is on, um, uh, for, I guess for lack of a better term, term the, the straight white male experience, 
Yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, there's no mitigating. Like supremacist experience. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where there, there's no specific mitigating factor around your bad experience with the police other than you've had a bad experience with the police. Yeah, or you just don't trust them to get the job done. That seems to be more where it comes from, mm. to my mind. And, like, don't get me wrong, like, I'm, I'm not crazy about the cops myself, but it comes from a place of seeing them mm-hmm. deal with marginalized groups in the wrong way. Yeah. Where is that? You know, it's, it's something like a, a, I can have a conversation with many people in my small town about concerns with police powers from completely opposite sides of the coin and very, very different concerns. But yeah. it, there seems to be this cross demographic unity that mm, police don't seem to work very well. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so interesting. That's a big societal problem that we entrench in a whole lot of our media. Um, but at mm-hmm. the same time, even even in procedural dramas, even in police-focused media from Brooklyn Nine-Nine to CSI, <laughs> there is a standing core conflict of how can we f- how can we get to justice? Yeah, that is dissected within you know, media yeah. dealing with law enforcement extensively, but is paralleled. With the, with the layman experience of how, how can we get justice because the police don't seem capable. Within police-focused media, it's how can we get just, justice. We don't seem capable. We're scrambling, and only through film magic do we usually solve a case. Yeah. Right? There's, there's very few CSI episodes about failing to solve a case compared to the actual statistics of cold cases. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really, really good point. So there's this real cross-cultural, cross-demographic discussion of the effectiveness of policing. Yeah. That um, sure does seem to lead to a lot of violent doubling down, whether it's whether it's white supremacy, whether it's um, Antifa, whether it is <laughs> where in your political spectrum and demographic spectrum you are, somebody's probably formed a gang there. Yeah. For some reason. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point. Hmm. Um, I just want to go back really quickly to that moment that I got really excited about where mm-hmm. Archie has the comic books and the gun together. Yeah. Um, I made really brief reference to Bo Bergdahl, and I should substantiate what I said. Um, mm. I, I'm sure people are aware of who Bo Bergdahl is. He was sentenced this week. Um, do you know who Bo Bergdahl is? Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, familiar with the yeah. case. You listen to season two of Serial? No. Oh. Well, we're going to reference another podcast real quick. Serial. Which is very, very famous. The reason I got into podcasts at all, probably. Um, first uh, season is about um, a murder. Uh, it's a true, it's not true crime, but it's like a true story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is true crime, literally, but it's not like the true crime genre. Mm-hmm. And then the second episode is about Bo Bergdahl, who is a sergeant now, but he will be a private again because of his sentencing. And mm-hmm. um, uh, he walked off his post in Afghanistan. He got picked up by the Taliban. He was imprisoned by them for five years. Right. For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about. And he was returned stateside and it recently went on trial and was finally sentenced. Anyway, he won't get life in prison but he will get dishonorably discharged and he will be demoted and he has to return some of his army pay, which Mm. I think is really interesting. But the point that I wanted to make is that there was an interview with him about like why he walked off his post and he gives many, many reasons. But one of the reasons he gives is he was like, I wanted to be, wanted to prove to people that I was that guy, Mm. that I was Jason Bourne, that I was the super soldier. And we all have that. I've, I've had, that feeling Mm -hmm. we all want to be 
a superhero. And I just love that this, like, comic book character who's been turned on his head, he's in a television show, is looking back at comics that he admires Mm -hmm. to create a trope of vigilante justice. I just, like, that that moment where, like, all the comics are kind of looking at each other. Because I often, I often, like, forget to call Archie a comic book. Because when I think of comic Mm -hmm. books, I think of, like, Batman and Superman. And then I think of graphic novels like Watchmen and Saga. Um... And other famous graphic novels. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the children's comic genre has definitely fallen out of vogue in a yeah. lot of ways in the last few years. Whereas, I the first thing I ever read as a child was Richie Rich and Casper Comics. That's I've that that was my introduction to reading. Yeah, and that's what my parents read with me. And mm-hmm. so I graduated from that into Archie Comics. And for a very long time, before I was really into like young adult science fiction, um, Archie Comics were my my bread and butter of reading material as a, mm-hmm. as a young child, um, of these accessible, light, fluffy stories. Um, yeah. And it, it has different trope than the superhero world to me, which was much more something I, I discovered and fell in love with through junior high mm-hmm. and even actually in university in university, because I lived in the city for the first time and I had access to a steady flow of comic books. That's the time when I was actually reading serial superhero comics hmm. and um so yeah very very different background for what those mean yeah but um even reading classic archie i was aware of this existing contrast they brought it up at times there's contrasting pl- uh advertisements in this book or that hmm. uh the superhero genre and the archie comics as their own genre yeah almost the like riverdale kind of genre um definitely a, a I guess a form yeah that I've I was always aware of that I grew up with hmm. um but I also didn't pick up that that weight of those comic books with the same resonance that you brought um I mean, yeah. it may not even be there. It just it just really struck me. I I think you're really right. I I, I think you're really onto a good read of that scene in that moment and um i think it's super important that well we've got idealized archie and this world is all about deconstructing that and layering it with these other difficult americana tropes yeah but picking apart the riverdale is timeless and perfect and middle america um and doing something else with that yeah. And then we have comics, which are also a highly idealized world of vigilantism. Um, whether, you know, the gambit from the Punisher to the X-Men, there's still, there's a debate within comic books about the range and the limits of the morality of vigilantism. Whether you're Superman with your no-killing moral code, Superman or Batman, or whether you're the Punisher who self-justifyingly kills people yeah. who they believe deserve it. Which rolls into you know, like Dexter territory, serial, serial killer territory, yeah. As well, there's there's a whole gradient to that discussion, hmm. um, and where you start yourself on it, where this character starts himself on it, is is interesting. It's like I don't know what kind of comic this is, the Red Circle that he's inspired by, yeah. Right? It I, could I be don't any think, of those. Yeah, and I don't think that is a real comic. Not to the best yeah, of my knowledge. I feel like they'd have to get crazy rights for that. Yeah, and they didn't do that with anything else in this episode. Yeah, the Natural Grind them. Grind them. Gosh. 
Oh, the Bachelorette. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Well, I like this episode. I Ryan has seen episode four, and I have not yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, things. Um, so I'm excited to find out what's going to happen there. Let's dig into that. Yeah. You can, you can like, give them a little teaser if you want. I don't mind. T-shirts. T-shirts? Yeah, that's not a teaser. I just wanted to say something random and esoteric from the show to make you do that expression. T-shirts. <laughs> Come back next week for T-shirts. <laughs> there sure are T-shirts. You'll understand when you watch it. Okay. <sighs> See a gang. Gang who are not marauding vigilantes, I hope. Yeah, better not be. Yeah, that's not the kind of gang we are either at Riverdale Gang. No, we're... Even though we just talked about how much we're okay with guns. We're not like that. We're the, like a Scooby gang, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. We're, we're, well, we're... We'll stick to wooden stakes. <laughs> we're occasionally, like, a politi- politically organized or activist gang, and we're occasionally yeah. an art gang doing guerrilla art. But That's both different. of those are pretty Scooby, right? Those are pretty Scooby. I'm pretty sure, at least once in Archie's history, he's organized a political campaign with his gang. Yeah. It's a long history. They've done everything right now. <laughs> yeah, except form. The Red Circle. I think that might be yeah. ter- new territory for the they television also show. More now. Well, that, no, that's fanfic. That doesn't count. <laughs> Everything's happened in fanfic. Everything. And that's like one of the rules of porn, probably. Oh, yeah. Always one of the rules of reality. I'm Chloe. I'm Ryan. This was Riverdale Gang. Thank yeah. you, as always, to K-Pry for the studio, Mike and Thunderquack, and the people at Patreon who support us. I still think it's Patreon, but... Patreon, 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 I give up, no, I'm to pretend I didn't do that. Those folks who give us some money on the internet. We really appreciate it. Yep. We're happy to play in the sandbox with you all. (laughs) See you next time. Bye.